Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for standing by. Welcome and thank you for joining the On Holding AG Q4 2022 Results Call. Throughout today's recorded presentation, all participants will be in a listen-only mode. The presentation will be followed by a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, you may do so by pressing star and 1. Press the star key followed by 0 for operator assistance. It's my pleasure, and I would now like to turn the conference over to Jerry Peter. Please go ahead. Good afternoon, good morning, and thank you for joining on 2022 fourth quarter and full year earnings conference call and webcast. With me today on the call are Executive Co-Chairman and Co-Founder David Aleman, CFO and Co-CEO Martin Hoffman, and Co-CEO Mark Maurer. Before we begin, I would like to remind everyone that today's call will contain forward-looking statements regarding future events and performance within the meaning of federal securities laws. These forward-looking statements reflect our current expectations and beliefs only and are subject to certain risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially. Please refer to our 20F filed with the ICC earlier this morning for a detailed discussion of such risks and uncertainties. We will further reference certain non-IFRS financial measures, such as adjusted EBDA and adjusted EBDA margin. These measures are not intended to be considered in isolation or as a substitute for the financial information presented in accordance with IFRS. Please refer to today's release for reconciliation to the most comparable IFRS measures. We will begin with David, followed by Martin leading through today's prepared remarks, after which we are looking forward to opening the call for a Q&A session. With that, I'm very happy to turn over the call to David. Thank you very much and welcome everyone to our fourth quarter results update call. The last three months of our first full financial year as a public company saw an exceptionally strong finish to an exceptional year. It is fair to say that at the time of the IPO, we didn't expect that we would already have beaten the 1 billion Swiss franc net sales mark so comprehensively in 2022. So it fills me with a huge sense of pride to stand here 18 months later on behalf of the ON team to speak to our very successful fourth quarter that brought us to more than 1.2 billion Swiss francs in net sales for 2022, delivering a year-over-year -year growth of 69% versus 2021. Since the IPO, we've often spoken about our philosophy that has guided us since we started, driving growth while at the same time staying focused on efficiency and driving profitability. So it makes us even more proud of the team's achievement of finishing our first full year as a public company in a profitable way with a net income of 57.7 million Swiss francs. We are so grateful to everyone that has shaped on with us over the past 13 years and set the foundation for this amazing achievement. Finishing the year with such an outstanding Q4 is the perfect testament to the great work our team continues to do and an indicator of the continued momentum and the great opportunity that lies ahead of us. With net sales of 367 million Swiss francs and a growth rate of 92%, the quarter came in significantly ahead of even our own high expectations. The demand for the brand across all regions, categories, and channels 
remains extremely strong and we are so excited that we were able to go into 2023 in such a great position. By switching our URL to on.com, we've also made it even easier for consumers to find our iconic brand online. And we truly believe we are setting ourselves up for our best year yet. I say this both in terms of that strong momentum that we have seen in the first months of the year, as well as where we and the industry are if you look at the normalization of operations. The last three years of the pandemic roller coaster have been a huge challenge and have put our teams and operations to the test. The factory closures in Q3 of 2021 meant a very tight inventory position at the end of 2021 and early 2022, as well as elevated air freight usage, particularly in the first half of 2022. Along with the industry, we have seen tight production capacities at factory partners, disruptions of global trade lines, increased thief rate lead times, as well as macro challenges. We were additionally challenged by our 3PL-induced warehouse disruption in the third quarter of 2022. Martin will provide some additional perspectives on how these elements come to play in our financial review, as well as outlook for 2023. But it is safe to say we are very confident and excited to be heading into a year of increasingly normalized operations where we can focus even more on driving our brand and continuing to build a community of athletes, fans, and innovators. And an exceptional team that is excited to be part of the next phase of all. But before we move to the detailed financial review of the fourth quarter, I want to take a few minutes to focus on three areas that are fueling the ongoing momentum we see around the brand as we move into 2023. Namely, the way we are winning in running, our ambitious move into tennis, and our growing popularity amongst younger consumers. So let's start with running. It's clear to see that 2022 was a huge year for us. With the introduction of the Cloud Runner, Cloud Go, and Cloud Monster, we added three major silhouettes that have been strongly supporting our ongoing market share increase on runners' feet. We can see this very clearly in our proprietary runner count data, where in particular the Cloud Monster and Cloud Runner are positively over-indexing with regards to their visibility on the running routes versus their contribution to sales. This, of course, further establishes our credibility as a brand rooted in performance, a key strategic priority for us. We are excited to play our part in fueling run culture and amplifying it with storytelling and content around the amazing sport of running. For example, with initiatives such as our new global event series on track night, which we announced in January. To begin in May with the Track Fest in Los Angeles, these events held at different track meets around the globe will have their own unique local flavor, but all champion a fresh, community-focused, festival-feel approach to track racing. We also make running more inclusive thanks to our Right to Run Social Impact Partnerships program. Right to Run brings together grassroots communities and organizations 
to make an impact in the realms of safety, access, awareness and inclusion in running and movement. We continue to expand the program and now partner with 17 organizations globally, helping us to achieve our ambition of reaching 100,000 community members. Another way we fuel run culture and a key component of OM's mission to ignite the human spirit through movement is the OM Athletics Club, an incredibly inspiring group of young track and field talent with tremendous potential and big dreams. Just last month, we announced the launch of the Oceania division of the OAC and together with their counterparts in the US and Europe, we look forward to supporting the next chapter of track and field champions as they set their sights on the Paris 2024 Olympics. While many OM athletes are working towards their first Olympic Games, we are extremely excited to have added a reigning Olympic champion to our roster triathlon gold medalist at the Tokyo Olympics, Christian Blumenfeld, has joined us with the ambition to defend his title in Paris next year. Alongside Christian and Ironman world champion Gustav Eden, who joined on in fall 2022, we also announced the signing of two more triathletes in January. Reigning female Ironman world champion Chelsea Sodaro and fellow superstar triathlete Paula Findlay have also joined the on team. What all our OAC team members and on athletes across running, trail and triathlon have in common is the belief and knowledge that our products put them in a position to win at the highest levels of performance. They know that ON is at the forefront of innovation and has the success of our athletes as its number one priority. Just look at some of the amazing achievements of our athletes recently. This past weekend, we saw Helen Oviri cruise to victory in the New York Half Marathon with a new course record. And at last month's Milrose Games, one of the most important indoor track events of the season, on had 13 athletes competing, a significant jump versus the four we had last year. And those athletes delivered career-best performances, including seven national records and wins for Alicia Monson in the women's 3,000-meter race and Jared Nuguze in the men's mile. This run of form continued when on-athlete Helen Bekele won the Osaka Marathon in February. We look forward to seeing our pinnacle products on the feet of many, many more runners in the near future. That's why we'll be making these products available to the broader market, for example, commercially launching the new generation CloudBoom Echo 3, which has been on the feet of our most successful athletes in elite competitions in recent months. And our next phase of innovation for the everyday runner is about to shake the market up too. Two days from now, we will officially launch the all-new Cloud Surfer, which features our new cushioning technology called CloudTech Phase. This evolution of ON's existing technology was generated using a computer-optimized technology called finite element analysis, which simulates the effects of structures and materials on the human body to minimize stresses and to provide a whole new running sensation. The innovation within the Cloud Surfer is here to make waves and we've seen waves of positive feedback even ahead of the official launch. 
Early media reviews have been hugely positive, with testers describing being blown away by the new Claltech face cushioning, calling it their favorite road-running shoe of the year, and heralding the Cloud Surfer as an impressive step change for all. And our innovations are not just reserved for footwear. Back in February, we kicked off our spring-summer 23 season with a focus on our full head-to-toe offering by introducing our latest apparel collection. The supporting campaign was centered around the message to feel nothing so you can feel everything, shining a spotlight on our innovative lightweight and high-tech materials. But coming to my second point, it's not just the world of running where we've been making waves. Yesterday, we made our ambitions clear for tennis when we announced the signings of two of the sport's most exciting talents to our roster of top-ranked tennis professionals. The women's world number one ranked player, Poland's Iga Swiatek, and America's newest man sensation, Ben Shelton, for whom on is the 20-year-old's first ever multi-year sponsor. Going forward, both players will be wearing the company's newly developed on-court collection for professional competition and custom editions of the Roger Pro. The competition tennis shoe has been Swiss-engineered and designed individually for and in close collaboration with both players, Roger Federer and the Lightning Innovation Team at OnLabs to meet the demands of their individual style of play. And with an eye on the future, ON has also signed the 16-year-old Brazilian player Joao Fonseca, who recently made his ATP main road debut at the 2023 Rio Open after some hugely impressive achievements on the junior circuit. With a potent mix of inspirational athletes and innovative heads-to-toe products, we truly believe that tennis can play a key role in fueling the next stage of arms growth. Coming to my third point, as we further build the brand in the performance run space and expand across categories, we see that our new product innovations lead us to new customer groups. On highly visible technology and innovation in shoes and apparel is increasingly embraced by younger consumers. From taste-making teenagers in the UK to many young on fans in gyms and on the streets across the US. This is one reason why we have used our most popular shoe, the Cloud, as our starting base and have rematched its Cloud Tech to activate with lower weights and smaller feet. The result, the Cloud Play. On's first kid shoe and the Cloud Sky, our first shoe for teens and preteens. Our commitment to put performance at the forefront of every new product also starts with the smallest ones. That's why we work together with two leading universities in the field of children's biometrics to tune the cloud and make sure these shoes help kids' feet grow in the very best conditions. As a small added benefit, Martin, Mark, and I were now finally able to fulfill our own kids' wishes that we've been hearing about for many years by getting them into a pair of us. And believe me, we have been hearing these wishes a lot. It's our mission to promote movement among kids and teenagers from a young age to build the love for sports and the relationship with them for a lifetime. With that, as an introduction, I'm very pleased to hand over to Martin for the Q4 financial review and our outlook for 2023.
Thank you, David. And hello, everyone from my side. 2022 was definitely a super exciting year with so many highlights, not just as a parent of young children that can now explore the world in on products, but even more for someone who loves sport and movement, who believes in the need for sustainability, but most importantly, for a member of an amazing, diverse, and inspiring team. The ON team has grown from 1,150 to 1,700 during 2022, now representing 79 different nationalities. Our outstanding achievements are the result of this team and all our global partners and their energy and drive to challenge the status quo on a daily basis. Having exceeded 1.2 billion Swiss francs in net sales for the full year, with a 68.7% increase compared to 21, makes us extremely proud. As David mentioned, being able to convert a strong sales to a bottom line profit of 57.7 million further validates our ability to build a high growth brand while increasing profitability as a result of our strategic and operational progress. Q4 has been exceptionally strong and another record quarter with 366.8 million net sales. In North America, Q4 net sales include some catch-up effects from Q3, following the warehouse disruptions we had back then. But ultimately, the strong demand that we are seeing continues to exceed our expectations across all regions and channels. Consequently, 91.9% Q4 net sales grows year over year is the result of the strength of the brand that we have built in 22, combined with the good product availability following a further normalization of product supply and our warehouse operations. In Q4 21, we were unable to fulfill all the demand due to supply shortages and low inventory levels as a result of the factory closures in Vietnam during the third and fourth quarter of 21. This effect was more significant in the European numbers where we had even less inventory buffer than elsewhere going into Q4 21. At the same time, we had lower wholesale sales in Q4 21 as key markets across Europe and other regions such as Australia and various cities in China were impacted by repeated COVID-19 related shopping restrictions. Driven by these impacts in 21, wholesales has grown even stronger than D2C in Q4 2022. Wholesale sales more than doubled year over year, growing by 104.3% to 217.3 million Swiss francs. These strong numbers are backed up by the underlying demand and sales throughout our wholesale partners. In Foot Locker, for example, Q4 was by far our strongest sellout quarter in history. With the same numbers of doors as in Q3, units sold increased by over 50% quarter over quarter supported by the continued demand amongst younger consumers for products such as the Cloud Nova. For the full year 2022, we achieved 73.1% growth in wholesale. We were able to drive significant same-stock growth with new and existing products by being disciplined about expanding our door network in our own markets from around 8,000 to 9,200 doors over the 12-month period. With the focus on our premium position, we continued to manage the channel carefully and closed over 200 doors that we considered as less additive to the positioning of the brand. 
The strength of our premium products rooted in innovation, design and sustainability is even more directly reflected in the demand we have seen in our D2C business, resulting in 76.4% growth in Q4 versus the prior year period. While others in the market were discounting, we have achieved our strong growth with a very high share of full price sales. We continue to build strong direct connections to our customers and to invest into our D2C capabilities to drive stronger growth of our D2C channel compared to wholesale. We also completed the rollout of our new website and the purchase of our new domain on.com, which will allow us to attract and convert even more fans online. We are also thrilled to drive the successful expansion of our own retail store formats. Just a few weeks ago, we opened our largest store to date on Regent Street in London, and it has outperformed our expectations ever since. It was so great to see how the London Run community came together on the opening night to celebrate this milestone. The London store is a further validation for our multi-channel strategy, driving a visible increase of visitors, both to our website and at our retail partners. Already in the first weeks, apparel sales in the London store exceed the sales in any other location in UK, which we see as an additional showcase for the head-to-toe strengths of our own channels and highlights the opportunity we have in apparel. Reflecting on the full year of 2022, we were able to build on the significantly elevated base of our D2C channel during the pandemic and drive 61.4% D2C growth in 2022. The number of visitors to our website in 22 increased from 102 to 143 million year over year. Our e-commerce capabilities and direct customer connection will be long-term assets for on and our journey of profitable growth. Moving on to our regional performance. Our continued success in building a global brand is reflected in the strong growth across all regions. In Europe, after a muted start into the year, Net sales have returned to strong growth in the past quarters, including the 80.6% increase to 79.6 million in the fourth quarter. The great start of the London store in Q1 is, of course, a further confirmation of the brand heat in the UK, one of the fastest-growing markets for us over the recent quarters. Net sales have almost tripled in UK, and net sales in Germany and Austria also grew strongly, between 40 and 50% respectively. In North America, after the temporary slowdown in Q3 caused by the warehouse disruption, our business re-accelerated in the fourth quarter with a growth rate of 81.5%, accounting for 242.1 million. In Q4, D2C has grown even stronger than wholesales. This confirms both our ability to drive over-proportionate D2C growth as well as the selective expansion of our wholesale network. The Asia-Pacific region doubled year-over-year to 21.6 million Swiss francs, reflecting very strong momentum in Japan, Australia, and China. Finally, rest of the world grew from 3 million in Q4-21 to 23.4 million in Q4-22, largely reflecting the entrance into a number of distributor markets in Latin America during the course of 2022. If we look back at the full year 2022 from a regional perspective, it's great to see how all regions have contributed to drive net sales well above the 1 billion Swiss franc mark. 
Of course, the incredible and continued momentum of our largest market, North America, has contributed the most in absolute terms. North America was over 60% of our net sales in 2022 and will continue to be our growth engine going forward. In 2022, we further amplified our relationship and trust with many key retail partners, and we are looking forward to grow our combined businesses. Even with this incredible growth, we still see ample opportunities for higher penetration in many areas of the U.S., and we will continue to calibrate and selectively expand our footprint with wholesale partners to ensure we are present in the most meaningful doors that support our growth and the brand positioning. From a much smaller base, APEC grew by 87.7% for the full year and contributed 6.6% of net sales, despite the ongoing lockdowns in China throughout the year. Thinking about the very strong momentum in China, Japan, and Australia, as well as our upcoming expansion into South Korea, we are extremely excited about the huge growth opportunity out of what is still a very much underpenetrated and nascent region for us. The more than four times year-over-year net sales increase in our rest-of-world region shows how we are only just getting started in many areas of the world. This fact is equally true for our most mature region. Growth in Europe was 36.1% for the full year, but this does not take into account that many markets are in a very early stage of growth and increasingly picking up momentum. I mentioned the UK as an example, but this is also true for other sizable markets such as France, Spain, and Italy that have only recently or in the process of being taken in-house. If we switch over to products, the strong momentum of our key footwear franchises continued throughout the fourth quarter, resulting in 96.7% growth. We continue to gain market share in the running community, especially with the Cloud Monster, the Cloud Runner, and the Cloud Go, while at the same time the Cloud Nova is winning more and more younger fans. In Q4, we launched the new Cloud X, another key franchise that strongly resonates with the fitness community and that continues to win market shares in gyms around the world. The Cloud X is also our most sold product in China. On apparel, we further execute on our strategy, both from a product and distribution perspective. Compared to Q421, we launched fewer new products in Q422, which led to a comparably lower growth rate of 15.4%. As David mentioned, we have continued to put a big focus on showcasing on as a head-to-toe brand and will be very much focused on the apparel business throughout 2023 and beyond. Ultimately, for the full year, shoes grew at 70.9% and apparel at 30.2%. The growth was well-balanced across all three product categories, performance running, performance outdoor, and performance all day. In the fourth quarter, cross profit reached 214.6 million, compared to 111.8 million in the same period 2021. The cross-profit margin of 58.5% significantly improved compared to 57.1% in Q3 and 55.1% in Q2. Compared to Q421, cross-profit margin remained unchanged despite a strong headwind of 280 basis points from unfavorable currency movements. 
As expected, after almost 12 months of highly inflated use of air freight, we were able to return to sea freight as the main mode of shipment in Q4. SGNA expenses, excluding share-based compensation, dropped significantly from 59.2% of net sales in the fourth quarter of 21 to 45.1% in Q4 22. A further proof point to our ability to scale in a profitable way and to actively manage our cost base. During the holiday season, our brand strength and word of mouth drove a high level of organic traffic, which allowed us to achieve significantly higher net sales with a similar absolute marketing spend compared to the same quarter in the prior year. Other savings as percent of net sales were on distribution and general administration expense, largely as a result of mix and scale gains. As announced in our last quarterly update, share-based compensation in the fourth quarter decreased materially year over year, from 176.2 million to 34.4 million Swiss francs. The 2021 expense had been elevated as a result of our IPO, with considerable amounts of long-term awards that had vested in connection with the listing at elevated share price levels in Q4 21. With 2.8% of net sales, share-based compensation in 2022 is more in line with our future expectation. As a result of the strong net sales, adjusted EBITDA for Q4 exceeded our expectations and reached 61.8 million Swiss francs, up from 11.2 million last year. The corresponding adjusted EBITDA margin increased from 5.9 to 16.8%. For the full year of 2022, our adjusted EBITDA reached 165.3 million and a corresponding adjusted EBITDA margin of 13.5%, well ahead of our previous guidance, both in absolute and relative terms. As you are aware, this full year margin reflects considerable extraordinary air freight usage particularly in the first three quarters of 2022. Moving on to our balance sheet. Capital expenditure of 33.6 million Swiss francs in Q4 led to 83 million for the full year 2022, or 6.8% of net sales, a significant increase versus 2021, mainly due to the important investments into our new offices in Zurich and Portland, and ultimately into our team and our culture. Despite the continued expansion of our retail network, we expect the reduction of CapEx in 2023 to our long-term range of around 35 to 4.5% of net sales. As I mentioned in the beginning, our ability to meet the high customer demand with a strong supply of products has led to our very strong growth in Q4. We had early signs at the end of Q3 for this further acceleration of the demand, as well as strong orders for 2023. And we were able to further increase the production output with our factory partners. In anticipation of strong momentum and demand in the first half of 2023, we further strengthened our inventory position to 395.6 million Swiss francs as of December 22, a considerable increase versus the prior year low point following the factory shutdowns. Nevertheless, there are some dynamics that led to this peak inventory position being somewhat higher than it ideally would be. In 2022, 
our production orders had factored in a higher level of security margin for tight production capacities at factory partners and for volatile sea freight lead times. A faster than expected normalization of both factors has led to a higher than expected cumulated inflow of inventory. We have already adjusted our production plans going forward in order to reflect the shorter lead times. As a result, we expect to maintain the current absolute inventory levels as of Q2, despite the continued expected strong growth rates. For the end of Q1, we expect a higher inventory level, including first products for the fall winter season. Overall, as the additional inflow is driven by current and future season products, our inventory remains very fresh and sets us up to drive a continued high share of full price sales in 23, while creating scarcity at the same time. Finally, turning to cash and liquidity. Our year-end cash balance of 371 million, together with our additionally available credit line of 160 million, puts us in a strong position to continue to support our ongoing growth plans. With that, I'm excited to look ahead and present you our outlook for 2023. Let me start by reiterating our guidance philosophy. We aim to provide prudent yet aspirational guidance that appropriately reflects our belief and optimism in the on-brand and the opportunities we see while taking into account potential risks and externalities. We will continue to provide guidance primarily on a full-year basis rather than quarterly, reflecting the way we steer our business towards long-term success. The focus continues to be on our mission to build a brand that is set up for the long-term by emphasizing high-quality, durable, and profitable growth. When I speak to our expectations for the first quarters in the bid, this marks an exception to this rule. Given where we stand in the quarter, we believe it is appropriate to give you an update on what we expect to achieve in Q1. With that as context, in 2023, we will continue on our strategic roadmap that we set out at the time of the IPO 18 months ago. We plan to launch exciting new, innovative, and sustainable products across all categories, while further growing our existing blockbuster franchises. We will establish even closer and more direct connections with our fans and elevate the brand experience for our most loyal customers. Our new website and retail formats are allowing more and more fans to discover on through our D2C channel and to drive a higher D2C share. In addition to the recent London launch, we are looking forward to rolling out our next own retail locations in Miami and Williamsburg, New York. Both will likely be opening their doors in the second or third quarter. At the same time, we will further expand our international footprint with the conversion of important markets like Italy and Korea from distributor to own markets. We will carefully expand our presence in wholesale with the goal to reach the relevant customer communities through the right retail partners. With a focus on the Paris Olympics in 2024, we will further invest in our athletes team, both in talents and in product innovation. And we will further strengthen our core and the operational backbone to drive efficiency and scalability. We're excited that the normalization of the supply situation 
will allow us to focus more resources on building the future. But most importantly, we are looking forward to continuing developing our high-performing team and our culture. We closed 2022 on a high, and the first month of 23 have been off to a great start and have strongly supported our optimism and excitement for the year. As you will have seen in our release this morning, we anticipate reaching at least 1.7 billion Swiss francs for the full year 2023, corresponding to a year-over-year growth of 39%. This number includes around 300 basis points headwinds from the current currency environment and would reflect the currency neutral growth rate of 42%. This full-year number is around 30% higher than our aspiration back in September 21 before the IPO, a further testament to the great achievements that our team has accomplished since then. We have been off to a great start in 2023, with ongoing very strong momentum across all regions and product groups, and we expect our Q1 net sales to land around 380 million, or 61% above last year, maybe even higher. As a result of the strong first quarter momentum and the comparably heavy supply disruptions that we had faced primarily in the first half of 2022, we anticipate a higher growth rate of high 40s in half year one 2023 versus low to mid 30s in the back half of the year. Based on the current momentum and pre-orders for the fall winter season, we see an opportunity to achieve even higher growth rates in the second half, but we remain prudent in the light of the many risks in the current macroeconomic environment. Despite the strong growth of net sales this year, we do not expect a meaningful further increase of our absolute inventory position throughout the year. Depending on phasing, we may see modestly higher or lower inventory levels in the quarters, but over the course of the full year, this will allow us to reduce our networking capital balance relative to net sales and to improve our cash flow. Turning to margins, as we have already seen in Q4, we foresee a more normalized supply chain situation in 2023 and consequently a significant reduction of the use of air freight together with lower freight rates. We expect to resume our path towards our midterm cross margin target of 60% and currently anticipate a full year 2023 cross profit margin of around 58.5%. We are committed to continue our focus on efficiency and profitable growth and plan a further increase of our adjusted EBITDA margin to 15% for the full year 2023 representing a 54% increase of the absolute adjusted EBITDA. The continued maturity in key markets and high efficiencies across key processes is expected to drive future scale gains in SG&A. During the course of 2022, we had intentionally held back on marketing spend to make up for some of the additional air freight expenses. To further increase the brand awareness for ON, and to drive our D2C business, we plan to reinvest a part of the scale gains and to increase marketing spend in 2023 back to around 12 to 12.5% of net sales. We also expect temporarily higher distribution expenses as a result of the expansion of our global warehouse capacity and several automation projects 
that are foreseen to drive cost efficiencies in the years to come. As mentioned, for the year, we expect a reduction of networking capital in relation to net sales and also lower relative capex investments following the completion of our main office build-outs. We will additionally be expanding our existing credit line with the closing of a new facility during the course of Q2 or Q3. Our momentum and outlook are a result of all the achievements and progress we have made in 2022. Today, ON is a very different company than a year ago. We have further elevated our brand and our reach to set ourselves up for ongoing success and market share gains. We have reached new customer communities through our multi-channel approach and our ability to tell the story of running and run culture. We have strengthened our operational backbone and further professionalized our processes and brought our digital platform to the next level. All of this makes the opportunity for 2023 and beyond even larger than ever. The foundation is the belief in our mission to ignite the human spirit through movement and to dream on. Thank you so much for being a part of this journey with us. With that, we would like to open up the session to your questions. Operator, we are ready to begin the Q&A session. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, we will begin the question and answer session. Anyone who has a question may press star followed by one. If you wish to remove yourself from the question queue, you may press star followed by two. Anyone who has a question may press star followed by one at this time. One moment for the first question, please. We have the first question from Alex Straton from Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead, sir. Great. Uh, congrats on another great quarter, guys. I have two quick questions for you. First, just on the, on the revenue guide for the year, can you just talk about underlying assumptions by channel and geography? And then secondly, it, it piqued my interest when you guys mentioned that you kind of walked away from, from a number of wholesale doors. Can you just talk about the rationale and how you assess that on an ongoing basis? Thanks a lot. Ladies and gentlemen, just stay online. One moment, please. Hey, sorry, we, I think we had a technical problem here, um, but hopefully we're back now. So, Alex, thank you for your question. I will take the first one, Martin, here, and then Mark will take the second one. So, as you have seen, we had a very strong momentum uh, in Q4 in all regions, and uh, we, we foresee that 
really the growth is, is also driven by, by all regions. Of course, North America, on an absolute term, will drive the majority of, of the growth. And I think we are in a good position to exceed 1 billion of sales in North America alone. Um, then Europe, you have seen that we had an 80% growth in, in Q4, and we see continued momentum also in the first quarter. And here, really, a lot of the, the markets where we have a relatively low market share are, are driving growth, like UK, but then also uh, France, Spain, Italy, um, as well as a lot of uh, fresh products that will that will come into into the Dach region. And then, really, in China uh, and, and Asia, we are we are super positive in the light of the of, of basically the, the post-pandemic area. So we can fully execute on our plan to, to continue growth in, in China and expanding our retail network there. And we really see that a lot of traffic is coming back into the retail stores in, in, in recent weeks. So this gives us a lot of um, uh, positivity for, for very high growth rates in, in the APEC region. Yes. Uh, hi, Alex. So you should actually see this because uh, we're having this beautiful technical setup here. and. Uh, now we're tossing an iPhone around uh, to answer your questions, but I hope you can hear as well. So, on the on the channel focus, I think you know we we we, we keep on uh, speaking about this. I think we want to reach our consumers uh, kind of and provide them an uh, an elevated experience through our own um, D2C channel. So that's also why we're expanding the retail network, but also through our through our most important wholesale partners and. We'll continue to focus on the partners that we feel they can continue to and they will help us to elevate the brand, which means we continue to close doors that are a bit less additive um, to the positioning of the brand, and those are mainly doors that are focused on comfort and brand shoes. And we've done that in the U.S., and we'll also start to do it that a bit more um, in, in other regions, especially in Europe. Thanks a lot. The next question comes from Jim Duffy from Stiefel. Please go ahead. Well, thank you. Uh, let me start by complimenting the team on the execution through the pandemic and related disruptions. Excellent work. Um, my first line of questioning is about operating expense budgeting. Uh, Martin, with the step up to $1.7 uh, in 2023, can you speak to where you see leverage opportunities? If I heard you correctly, you plan to reinvest about two points to marketing. Where do you see G&A expense or the opportunities for leverage over the real estate investments you made in 2022 in the new offices? And what's the state of your investments in apparel infrastructure? Thank you. Okay, thank you, Jim. I will I will speak about the uh, the, the expenses, and then uh, David can speak a little bit more on on the apparel side. Um, so I think first and foremost, it's important that we that we see a normalization on the supply chain. So really, the excessive use of air freight that we had this year uh, that's a, that's the biggest upside uh, potential that that we have, and that is reflected in our in our cross profit guidance. At the same time. Uh, we still have high growth aspirations, and we continue to invest into the business in order to, to build a business that, that, can, that can handle and further scale from that, while at the same time fully focusing on, on scale gains and further efficiency. Um, so we will reinvest some of the upside and savings from, from air freight back into marketing for very different reasons. So first, to, 
to really install on as a head-to-door brand in, in customer minds, uh, but also to drive a higher D2C share over the future. And at the same time, we we will also invest uh, a bit more on the on the distribution side because we we have some double costs for a temporary period of time uh, by expanding our warehouses. But that's with with the clear goal to to automate our warehouse uh, and to drive efficiency in the future and and basically over time bring our distribution costs below the current level. And we have a lot of opportunities to 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 create efficiencies of scale and. Um, there are some already baked in, so we 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 have started projects to to outsource our happiness delivery. Um, we have a lot of scale gains in in markets that become more mature, like North America, but also European markets. Um, we invest into the automation of warehouses. We invest into the automation of factory lines. So those are those are elements. And for us, it's very important um, that that we are committed to drive higher higher profitability. If we exceed our sales goals and the guidance that we have given, um, to to see some of that additional upside flowing through the BNL as well. So too many Go ahead. I just wanted to ask a follow-up to Martin. Uh, could you please speak specifically to the G&A line? Would you expect the lever on the G&A line? Uh, you made the big investments in real estate in 2022. And I believe you've been making uh, a lot of investments in apparel infrastructure. Would you expect to lever those in 2023? Yeah, so the, a lot of the, the build-out in our new offices that's reflected in, in the capex expenses that we had, um, which which was significantly higher than our long-term aspiration of like three and a half to four and a half percent of net sales, and of course utilizing the new offices. To a higher extent, uh, by growing our team and our sales, that's that's also an, an, an area of efficiency. And then a lot of efficiency really comes from growing our team at a slower base than growing our net sales. So looking into into 22, we have grown our team by about 50%, while we had grown net sales almost more than 60. And next year we are looking into adding around 400 people. So also there. Uh, you see, you see significant economies of scale happening. Thank you. And Jim, um, when it when it comes to apparel, so as you know, becoming a sportswear brand is a multi-year journey for us, and we feel that all the right pieces are falling into place. So it's fantastic to see that our apparel lineup that we have is really resonating with our community, specifically also in our own retail stores where uh, where the where the share is growing. Now, when it comes to investments, we definitely invest into um, additional talent where we made some key hires in the apparel space. Um, it will still take a bit of time for this to flow through the collections that you see the full scope of that. Um, but again, we're working towards the goal of being a global sportswear brand, and this means that we'll be spending even more time on apparel in 23 to further drive this business. Um, so um, definitely core investments in talents, but also in upper funnel, funnel campaigns that increasingly builds our sponsor brand. Thank you. The next question comes from Tom Nikik from Wedbush Security. Please go ahead. Uh, hi, uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, uh, you know, I think obviously you've you've made. Um, 
good headway in some of the bigger um, sneaker retailers, um, you know, especially in the U.S. with, with Foot Locker and, and Dick's Sporting Goods. Um, can you give us an update uh, where you are in terms of uh, number of doors uh, with those retailers and, and, I guess, at the end of 2022 and where you expect to get in 2023? Yeah, so um, with Foot Locker at the end of Q4, we were at 150 doors. Just want to give you an example also on on um, the success that we're seeing and the feedback that we're having from some of those partners. So with Foot Locker in Q4, we had our highest sellout quarter ever. Um, so we had 59% unit increase over Q3, which was the second highest quarter. And this is really also what's then driving the expansion. So we don't really want to give an exact number on where we're going to be by the end of 23 because it will all depend on how many consumers can we reach in a in a sustainable way with the, the products that we want to make available to them. So you can expect all the partners to continue to grow, um, but but the, the speed of growth will will really depend on how fast we can also bring an elevated brand experience um, to life. Then at JD, we stood at 166 stores um, globally by the end of Q4. And the exporting goods have actually really, really only started in January um, 23. So we had um, very few tech stores and seven um, public land stores by the end of 22. We're currently in 58 doors uh, with the exporting goods. And you can expect that number to increase to around 150 doors towards the end of 2023. And then, then probably just one more retailer we want to highlight here. Um, with, with Fleet Feet, we are at 275 stores right now. Very, very happy about about the growth that we're seeing, especially because it's playing into mainly and almost only into our co-running community, uh, which is where we want to, which is absolutely where we want to win. Great. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, best of luck for continued success this year. The next question comes from Christina Fernandez from Telsey. Please go ahead, ma'am. Yeah, good morning and congratulations on the on the amazing performance in the fourth quarter. I have two questions um, related to to I guess product and distribution. One, um, when you know the, the brand momentum that you're seeing and the new customers coming into the brand, how much is it? Um, that they're buying, you know, the core franchises like Cloud5 and, and those you've had for a while versus the new products that you just, um, you know, launched in the last year. And then the second question is the distribution of new products like tennis and, and kids. Um, will that follow um, kind of similar sort of wholesale, um, you know, partners that you've had in the past, or is that mainly going to be on the DTC uh, channel? Yeah, so thank you for So in Q4, 65% of the growth came from new products and 35% of the growth came from existing products. And when we look at new products, um, you have a Go, you have a Monster, you have a Runner that are really, really resonating with the consumer. And this is also what allows us to be very positive um, for 2023 because we see that these core styles are resonating very, very well. Um, with, with with our consumers. And then if you look at the Cloud Nova, which is one of our most important silhouettes that's also targeting a younger consumer, we also had a lot of growth coming from that product. And, you know, we have very, very strong pre-orders, for example, for the fall, winter season on that on that product line. So 
you know, if if you if you compare it historically, we're definitely um, reducing the percentage dependency on on the cloud, and we're really bringing the right consumer into the right product through the right channel. And then very quickly on on tennis and kids. So, you know, I think tennis for us has two parts. One is the tennis for tennis distribution, which is going to be quite limited um, in the beginning. So we're going to focus on, on on a couple of wholesale partners that are really catering exclusively almost to that community, and then on our own D2C channel. And then what we expect to happen is that tennis will have a quite a strong impact on how on comes to life as a as a performance all day brand as well that is inspired by tennis. And so the the Roger franchise has been growing uh, very, very strongly and will continue to distribute the Roger franchise through our most important wholesale partners, but also through our own D2C. And Kits is very much a, a D2C focus with a couple of selected partners. So Nordstrom would be would be one of them, but but please don't expect Kids Shoes to follow the same logic um, that some of the other products did. So we're trying to have a bit of a stronger focus on D2C because we feel we can reach the consumers in a very, very meaningful way through our own channels. Ms. Fernandez, does that answer your question? Yes, thank you. The next question comes from Abby Svenix from Piper Sandler. Please go ahead. Great. Thanks so much for taking my question. Maybe clicking back down on that, um, reducing dependency on cloud. So does that dynamic change at all in the near term with the elevated inventory position? Um, maybe just getting down to are there any categories where that inventory position is more elevated than others? Thank you. So it, it, it's very important to understand that the, the increase of the inventory was very much intentional and driven by the by the growth and the momentum that we see. And so that increase is has happened in the areas where we also foresee the strongest growth and where the uh, basically our products see uh, the strongest demand. Um, and at the same time, we mentioned that we that we have a cumulative effect out of the fact that. Uh, we are in this phase of, of the normalization of our supply chain, and we had factored in longer lead times in, in the past. Um, so at the moment, there's, there's more product in transit than in an optimal state. And um, so over time, it's, it's the goal to, to, to reduce this. But it's very important. Our, our inventory is in line with our, with our uh, uh, demand plans and, and what we see on the pre-orders, but also in the, in the current quarter. And as such, we, we expect that a lot of that inventory uh, continues to drive a high share of full price sets. Great, that's helpful. Maybe one more. Just on converting some of the selected international markets to um, own versus distributor, are there any significant um, changes on the P&L, either from a growth or operating margin perspective that we should think about, or are those you know, just smaller impacts? But, for next year, um, so for 2023, the impact is is relatively small. Um, it's it's about building those markets. Um, so we mentioned Korea, which is a very important market in the Asian region, uh, both for running and but also for outdoor and and uh, lifestyle. Um, then in in Europe, uh, Italy is a is a focus market for us. Um, and then there are also other markets in the in the future that 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 could be converted. But it's about Generating growth for the future and building now 
the distribution in, in those markets in the right way and focusing really on the channels where we want to be. And as such, the, the impact is, is relatively small, uh, both from a conversion effect as well as from a sales increase effect. Thank you. The next question comes from Michael Binetti from Creditsys. Please go ahead. Hey guys, thanks for taking our question. I'll uh, I'll add my congrats on a, on a great quarter. <clears throat> um, obviously, there's um, there's not much to pick out in the quarter. The results were you know well ahead of what we we thought we'd see. I, I am curious if you could unpack the gross margin though a bit in the fourth quarter, and as we try to connect it to the longer term, I think. Um, I think you were lapping about seven million in air freight from last year, so about 370 basis points of a, of a tailwind. I don't, maybe you tell us how much um, how much the the mix effects from regional or, or channel impacted you, how much effect impacted the gross margin, but help us connect it to the to the mar- to the expansion this year. And then and, you know what what really is the driver of the expansion from 58.5 to the long term? 60% as you get past some of the volatility this year. I guess, and then one one last one, if I can sneak it in. Multi-year as we look out to 24 and 25, is the is the low to mid-30s growth rate that you point to in the second half of 23, is that is that the right way to look at growth going forward when you're when you're lapping a more normal baseline in the second half? Okay, thank you. Um, so let me let me go through the different the different bridges. So if we if we compare Q4 versus Q Q4 last year, uh, where our cross margin stayed stable. Um, basically, you have two effects that balance each other. Um, last year, we we were using already using uh, air freight in the range of about 250 basis points, and at the same time, uh, we have we have for this year a negative impact from the currency environment of 280 basis points. So they offset each other, and as such, our our margin stayed uh, where where it was. Um, if we if we look ahead, um, we agree with you. We 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 had about uh, 37 million of of additional air freight this year, which we don't foresee to to use for next year. Uh, so that's that's in the range of um, of about 200 and and uh, 300 basis points upside. Um, and at the same time, we we want to stay prudent. Also, when when it comes to guidance on our on our on our cross profit margin, in order to factor in. Uh, uh, effects that we that we that we may see. Uh, so at the moment we have a very high inflow of, of product into our warehouses. So there may be higher freight costs uh, as a result of that. We still want to be in a position to to react on on on, on air freight in case we see uh, some of the products accelerating even beyond the demand that we that we currently see. And and then also with the with the new warehouses that we are building. Um, there's an there's a there's a risk for how I felt. Um if you compare twenty three versus twenty two, at the moment we expect this to be FX neutral. Um so there's there's no impact from from, from that side. Um so I think we are clearly on path towards uh, the, the long term goal of of sixty percent, but at the same time uh, we, we try to be we try to be prudent and, and and on the conservative side on the guidance. Um the thirty percent growth that you that we have for the the, 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 the low to mid thirties in our half year two guidance, that's uh that's what we currently see and, and assume if we look into our uh, pre orders, they indicate that, that we could drive more growth, but we, we try to 
be prudent given all the uh, macroeconomic environments that we that we currently see. But I think it's very important that you see we continue to build for the future. So we continue to build pillars for growth, and and this will be then defining uh, the growth rate in the in the future. Thank you very much. The next question comes from Jonathan Kamp from Bird. Please go ahead. Yeah, yeah, hi, thank you. I want to follow up on the um the, the order book and the pre book visibility that you're seeing. Could you maybe just talk more about the drivers of the growth that you're seeing? You know, the second half of twenty twenty two you had some very successful product launches and some big growth rates. So just I'm curious what's what's driving the growth as you look ahead and then Maybe more broadly, could you talk about the pipeline and the roadmap you see in your performance running business, especially into an Olympics year next year? Yeah, I am going to talk a bit about pre-orders and then maybe David can uh, shed some light into our Lightning uh, collection. But because we're in a very upbeat mood today, so we're going to share some numbers that we usually wouldn't share. Um, but basically, the, the growth on, on the pre-orders is really coming from the core run style. So we have the Cloud Monster, the Cloud Runner, and the Cloud Go together. They have a 80% pre-order increase year over year, so fall winter 23 versus fall winter 22, which is, which is extremely strong, and it's really coming from, from, from obviously what we expect to happen on our own um, T2C um, site and, and in our own retail stores, but also from the most important wholesale partners. And then... You know, we, we, we are very much focused on, on reaching the right consumers to the right channels, as you know. And so the Cloud Nova has a 70% pre-order increase fall winter 23 over fall winter 22. And so this allows us to, to, you know, to have a relatively good perspective on which products, um, we, we, we will see, um, or where we will see a lot of growth. And this also then leads back, um, obviously to the, to the whole inventory question that we also had. This is also then the products. Um, where we have a, a strong inventory position, and I just want to highlight one more product, which is which is launching in a, in a few days, which is the Cloud Surfer, that is really reaching that elevated core runner that that, that is looking at the at the, at the cushion ride, and 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 you know will allow us to gain share also kind of more in the in the marathon community, and I feel we're not seeing the full potential um, of that coming to life in the pre-order yet because it's only launching, but all the indications that we have from the pre-launches are, are extremely strong. So we're very confident from, from a running product portfolio on, on, the, on the growth that we're going to see in fall winter 23. John, I just want to uh, build on what uh, Mark just said, and just considering that if you think about Q4 last year, half of all the growth came from our all-new running products. And now, on top of that, the cloud surfer that, um, that Mark just mentioned. These are early, early days of growing blockbuster franchises. And so you can just uh, anticipate how much runway this will give us. And then, apart from that, we're also... Um, launching um, new um, iterations of our existing running blockbusters, um, which means, of course, for us that um, we're also going to innovate on them. So blockbusters that come all new in 23 and 24, you're going to see the Cloud Boom Echo 3, which has been at the feet now of uh, pro athletes winning races, and um, you're also going to see a lot of run apparel 
um, that is that is going to come along, and then you can bet that 24 for the Olympic Games, we're going to be ready with a full range um, from very accessible running products to the absolute pinnacle running products to um, to go into the, the banner year for uh, for performance running. And just one follow-up, as you think about also building your lifestyle performance all-day business, just how are you thinking currently about the, the right pace and the right strategy to grow the lifestyle business and in certain accounts while, while not alienating the performance positioning? Thanks again. So the, I think the when you look at how our performance run category is growing and how our performance all-day category is growing, then we, we see a very, very balanced growth, growth that is important to us. And I think the, the other thing is when you look at performance all day, is what products do you see in there? And how does performance come to life in those products? So, so, so again, you have a lot of products that might sit there, but, you know, they're sometimes used for running or they're used for, for exercising. And I think we want to lead with performance um, no matter where we grow. And then we want to make sure that we achieve our goal to be the number one on runner seat, but at the same time be a very, very aspirational and uh, and even younger brand today. And we feel there's there's an opportunity ahead of us um, that we're not uh, that we're not penetrating yet, which is very much the fitness community, and and expect to see more products to come, also targeting those consumers in a more elevated way. Thank you very much. The next question comes from Jay Sol from UBS. Please go ahead. Great. Thanks for all the commentary uh, on what the company can do to drive product innovation and its position in the performance categories. Um, I want to ask you about tennis. Can you just tell us about your ambitions in the category, maybe how you see the market in terms of size and growth potential, uh, both in terms of footwear and apparel? And then maybe secondly, given the early reads on the new store on Regent Street in London, how confident are you that you have a store format which can be rolled out, you know, broadly across the world? Yes. Yeah, so, so let me start with with tennis, and um, David is going to elaborate um, a bit on on Regent Street. So, look, I think we we've been waiting for for yesterday for a long for a long time, and we're super excited to have Iga and Ben now being part of our journey that really started with with Roger um, some time ago. And the most important thing for us is to basically being able to bring our innovation and our authenticity into the tennis world. And this is what drew um, Iga to us, what drew Ben to us. And together we want to continue to elevate the product um, that that is that we can bring to, to, to the tennis consumers. And um, when you look at the tennis market, the tennis market in itself is sizable, but it's relatively small compared to the running market or the outdoor market. But we feel the opportunity is really in bringing tennis to a more all-day use, and from a footwear, but also from an apparel perspective. So we expect tennis to have quite influence on how you dress, um, how you know what kind of sneakers you wear, and we're already seeing that with the Roger franchise that is doing extremely well, and it's it's resonating with the consumer. So. Ika and Ben will really help us, and our presence in tennis will help us to drive um, product and authenticity that comes from tennis, also in the all-day space. And then we spoke about we spoke about um, apparel, and you know we're very excited to to have athletes now head to toe 
that are reaching millions of viewers when they're playing Roland Garros or Wimbledon, and the first thing you see is an on-logo on their chest, and, and we feel that's very much going to strengthen our apparel category, and, and it's an above-the-line plane that, that we didn't really have on to that extent so far, and, and we're very excited for, for what's to come um, for the brand from, from this investment. Trey, just uh, jumping to uh, to retail. For us, our own retail is not primarily about transaction, uh, but it's about the inspiration. And if you just see how our store formats have expanded, now Regent Street does four times the, the revenues of our first store in New York. So we're really seeing a lot of progress. We're also seeing lines in front uh, of Regent Street. Um, so we're really seeing that we're running towards a model that is very um, very sustainable for us in the sense how we inspire customers. Now, remember, we don't plan to, um, to open hundreds of stores uh, across the world, but we're going to be very focused on the most important locations um, where, we, where we have that role of own retail as a media channel and as an inspiration point as well. In uh, China, we're, uh, we have a little bit a faster pace, and there we're definitely running towards a blueprint then also for accelerating even expansion of retail. Great. Thank you so much. The next question is from Sam Posa from Williams Trading. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you for taking my questions. Um, I just have two. One is um, in 2023, how would how do we want to think about the wholesale growth versus the direct-to-consumer revenue growth? And then secondly, um, what is sort of an optimum uh, inventory turn that that you see uh, going forward? Yes. Hi, Sam. Um, I'm going to quickly start with, with the growth, and then um, Martin will elaborate a bit on, on the inventory and networking capital side. So... I think we should think about it in, in the same way that, that we thought about it for, for, for 22 or 21 without, without COVID. I think we're really trying to reach the right consumers through the, through the right channels. And this is again why we're also a bit, um, cautious in giving you exact numbers of doors. I think we're really focused on managing sales through very closely. We're really focused on managing inventory positions with our key wholesale partners as well knowing that there's a bit of uncertainty around consumer demand in the in, in second half um, of this year. And and what we saw in, in Q4, what we're also seeing right now, is that we're able to to reach many new consumers through our own D2C channel. We're able to reach them at, at great margins, um, all at full price. And we're also able to drive quite a bit of apparel um, sales through that. And this is a strategy that we're going to continue. And we've communicated that we that we want to increase our own D2C share over time. You've heard you've heard how the how Regent Street is is performing. So we see own retail also gaining speed. So expect um, that journey to continue. But but uh, as always, we're we're not giving an exact number on on the split. And then talking to to inventory. So this is very much a function also of the future growth that we are expecting. Um, but a, a good number to think about is that uh, in the past we have seen our working capital to be in the range of, of 30% of net sales um, at the at the growth rates that we had. Um, so at year end we were at a 37%, so uh, slightly above that. 
and and the 30 percent this is how we would look into into the future and, and have it as a reference point thanks um can i just can i just follow up I, i'm not looking for specifics on the breakout of wholesale i just want to know are you expecting in 2023 are you expecting wholesale to grow faster than DTC or DTC to grow faster than wholesale. That's not a specific. It's just general. Yeah. The the good thing is that with 22, we have the first year that actually has a clear, a clean balance uh, again and a clean starting point because there's no COVID impact. So uh, so far, wholesale growth was was basically stronger because of the weakness last year, and and D2C on the opposite. So there's a there's an opportunity for us to grow our D2C share this year. But again, as Mark said, it all depends on the on the sellout and the continued success also of our retail partners and how they position themselves in the market. Um, so we don't we will not manage the share, but midterm we clearly have the, the aspiration to uh, over proportionate grow our D2C share. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, that was our last question for today. The conference is now concluded, and you may disconnect your telephone. Thank you very much for joining, and have a pleasant day. Goodbye.